He's said. like chia pet face. <laughs> Oof. I got a beard. That's what Englishmen do when they get stressed. Yeah. Their facial hair just shoots out. Hey, Maniacs. Welcome to Mystery Maniacs. Mystery Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to British mystery TV. Oh, yeah. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week we're covering Poirot Season 1, Episode 6. Triangle at Rhodes. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. We do spoil the episode, so if you haven't watched Triangle at Rhodes with David Suchet, go back and watch it and come back and join us. And also, if your kids can take part in a fascist uprising in Greece. They can probably listen to this podcast. They can handle it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, once again, uh, intro for new people. First of all, thank you for coming back. If you listened to our first episode and then you're back, you're you're a maniac now. Oh, yeah. It's official. Yep. One of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're calling this Poirot, not Agatha Christie's Poirot. We yeah. realized that that's all part of it. This was broadcast the 12th of February, 1989, directed by Rennie Rye, who did a ton of Midsummer's. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got a couple of actors in common here. Valentine, uh, Valentine Chantry is played by Annie Lambert. She was in The Axeman Cometh yeah. Midsummer, And Marjorie Gold, played by Angela Down, was in The Creeper and in Blue Herrings. Yeah. She was in two uh, she, Midsummers. She's in both of those. It's written by Stephen Wicklam. Based on a short story by Agatha Christie. Yes, this is... Which is, again, like a gunshot to the face fast. The short story is like, they're on the beach. They're on an island. There's death. Done. Yeah, there's... The end. I was stunned how short Clapham Cook was, but Triangle Roads is about twice as long. But still, they're still very short. They're less than an hour to listen to. It makes me appreciate the screenwriters more because they, especially with this one, they stretch it out in a way that doesn't feel like filler. No. In, in fact, they do a great job with Barnes. Yeah, and they combine two characters in one. Yes. So in the short story, Miss um, Lyle has a friend. There's two of them. Yes. It's Pamela and Sarah, right? Yes. But Sarah, gone. Gone. Thanks. We don't need another one. I guess we don't need a Sarah. Appreciate well, it. we have you. Aw, you're nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we just have Miss Lyle, who is yes. the concentrated gossip monger power of both of them together in one. When reading, when listening to the story just lately, I didn't really know why Sarah was there either <laughs> in the story. You think uh, Agatha Christie would have done better just to have, have Miss Lyle too? Yeah, I think so. And and this is another example, and we'll get into a couple of these as we cover more Christie stuff. Agatha is like, this is a test run. Yeah, she liked to test out story ideas in short story form and then expand them. So Evil Under the Sun is said to be kind of an expanded version of this storyline. And yeah. I, I can see that. I can see how... She was playing with ideas here and then said, I like some of those. It's not an exact duplicate of the story by any means. They both have their own unique characters and plot lines, but they have a lot in common. The one with the uh, dead woman on the train is far closer. Yeah. (laughs) This, This plot, and again, we're talking about the plot of the TV show. 
Okay, that's what we're going to talk about. There are lots of experts out there who know far more about Agatha Christie, and it's fine if you want to talk more about how it compares to the short story. That's not what we're going to do. We've done it. We're done with that. Done. Where was I going? Oh, I know where I was going. This is kind of like a fifth sense Agatha Christie. Like, once you watch it and you know who the murderers are, you kind of want to go back and watch it again and go, where did I miss the clues? That these two were up to something the whole time. But I would say there's not enough of those clues. I disagree. I think they're there. Oh, they're there, but I wish- And I think there's enough of them once you know. Now, do I buy it? No. Do I think there's giant plot holes in this story? Yes, I think they, they were having fun with a plot idea. Agatha Christie was having fun with the plot idea, but it's a short story for a reason because stretched out, it wouldn't hold up, I don't think. Let's begin with the first thing that the writers do that is really good, mm. which is the two guys at the Whitehall, Whitehaven mansion. Oh, the, the, um, the postman and the doorman? Yeah, like it's a great way to explain where everybody's gone. Captain Hastings gone off to shoot things. Yep. Miss Lemon's gone off to see her sister, who we'll see again later. Yes. And uh, Poirot's off to foreign parts. He sent me a postcard with goats on it. There are a lot of goats in and this episode. And then we get the musical cue of, <laughs> okay, music guy, we want you to do the Poirot stuff, but make it Greek. Yeah. Okay. Make it pluckier. No clarinet. And slow. Slow and plucky and slow a little and out of tune. Yeah. And like this. Yeah, that's yeah. the music throughout the whole episode right there. <laughs> it's it's a little much. It's like, hey, we're in foreign parts, people. Don't we're forget. In Greek foreign parts, so slow it down and make it twangy. Twangy. <laughs> Is Greek music twangy? I guess. <laughs> because they're on Rhodes, which yes. is a Greek island. Yes. But at this time occupied and controlled by Italy. Yes. Right? So this is most famously the location of a wonder of the ancient world, the Colossus of Rhodes, mm -hmm. which supposedly, there's lots of debate on this. Yeah, was so big that it had one foot on each side of the bay. Yes. No. No, it would have fallen down. But I, there was probably a big statue there. I love that they're called the Dodecanese Islands. Yes. It sounds like geometry class. <laughs> Absolutely. So these are islands in the Mediterranean, mm -hmm. which include everything from Sicily to Crete to Cyprus. Yeah. That are, especially during this time, the 30s, in constant change of hands. Yeah. I don't know that I would have chosen Rhodes as a vacation spot in the 30s. No, no. I it don't seems really a little so. sketchy. It seems incredibly sketchy. Like you don't know who's going to control it once you get there. Considering they go to Italy first to go there. Like, yeah, because they all come via Brindisi. Yeah. So you can only guess they took trains to Brindisi and then got a boat yeah, they to take Rhodes. London to Rome to Brindisi and then ferry across to... Mm -hmm. Oh, do you want to strangle Tony on the dock when oh he's talking to the cars from the hotel? He is the biggest bully ever at the beginning. Oh, Try not to run into anything. Oh, he's just horrible. And you immediately feel bad for Douglas. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, wait a minute, we're going there too. He's like, well, then you'll just have to wait for the next car. Yep. <laughs> Goodbye. Jerk. Yeah. Tony's got quite the brow on him, doesn't he? He does. 
like kind of like curls under his eyebrow, like Cro-Mag kind of definitely dominant male. I think one of the things that's implied until he is, puts on his swimsuit and then he doesn't look so dominant anymore. No. Is <laughs> one of the things that's implied is that Valentine Chantry is hard to live with. Mm-hmm. Now, because she's he's her fourth husband or fifth husband. This is her fifth marriage. Yeah. So it's his, her fifth husband. Clearly, and this could be said for anything that we talk about that's murder related. These people just sat down and talked to each oh, other. Yeah. Everything would be so much better. Isn't that always the case? <laughs> but it's kind of, it kind of falls on traditional. She's horrible. So I want out of the marriage. Like she's demanding, but she's not horrible. Oh no. She's just bought into the whole helpless woman thing and obviously attracts men who like to take care of women, Yeah, which I'm sure is appealing initially and then gets old real fast. Well, th- that's the only part <laughs> I like about Marjorie is when she's talking about men mm-hmm. because she shows how little she likes men. Yeah. Everything, every time she's alone with Poirot, she she gets to talk the truth. Marjorie? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let's get back to calf leather gloves because that's far more But they're inter- not. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen this episode so many gazillion times and I always think, oh, I love Miss Lyle's red gloves. They're so beautiful. And this time I really paid attention and they're not. They're like crocheted. Are they? They're like mesh. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they were calf leather gloves. No, they're two color. Yeah, they're two color. I'm sorry I'm making such a big deal about this. This is maniacs. They're really weird. Yeah. Okay, so... Hold your hand in front of you, all right? You're looking at your hand from the top. Now, they're red and white. Her thumb and her index finger and her pinky are red. And then they're white in the middle. Her middle and ring finger are white. They should have a little leaf in them. Then they'd be Canadian gloves. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're, they're meant for... Metalheads, Throwing basically. The devil horns. Yeah, if you fold your the white fingers down, you can make. Yeah, but they're they're um they're like open open work crocheted gloves, and so which makes perfect sense because though it was you know demure to wear gloves at this point, they'd be really hot. Yeah, you know they would be, and so those would be better. But they're they're really funky and. The whole beginning thing of her in she's in the damsel mar- in distress. She's in the marketplace and she's bought a brass teapot of some sort or coffee pot. And Major Barnes this is mysterious- is hunting her. Yes, like, Major Barnes might be a great spy, but he's not so good at wooing the he's ladies. He's not good with the ladies. Like later, you actually kind of like him. You realize he's a good guy, but he is awkward to the max with Miss Lyle. <laughs> By the way, once I realized her gloves were different than I remembered, I went looking into women's gloves of the time and these kinds of two-tone gloves in particular, these are super unusual. What was typical for two-tone gloves for women was that it was one color on the front and another color color on the back, back. right? Which is super weird. If you like turn your hand, like do the queen wave, you're like red, white, red, white, red, white. It almost seems like they're signaling gloves. Maybe. Because you can't like... Wear them on opposite hands to have different color on top. No. You can't do that because that would would actually be kind of versatile, right? Yeah. 
But yeah, just the idea. <laughs> I'm sitting here wiggling my hands around as if people can see me. They're just weird. It's fantastic podcasting. Yes. Also, you notice that Poirot and her are dressed almost exactly alike. Yeah, we've got a shot of this. He, he has a white notes. linen suit on, which most men would have at the time because they're cool. They reflect the light. Never mind that it's a three-piece suit. He's always got it on. I'm hot just looking at him. Yes. It's, it's not quite as bad as when he's in Egypt wearing the three-piece suit, yes. but it's bad. Or when they're in uh, Mesopotamia, yeah. which is Iraq. Yeah, all, right. the, all the hot sandy places where yeah. most people wear layers but loose. Yeah. He's all buttoned up to his nose. And he's got sunglasses. Yeah. That, I, we think this is the only time he wears sunglasses in the series. That I can remember, but yeah. there, again. There may be more. In those times when he's in the desert or on a boat, he might have them. But he puts them on really well in the in right at the end of uh, when they go start looking at the looking montage. Yes. But he has on this white linen suit and he has on a red tie and uh, he has a red rose. And he his, doesn't have the blue boutonniere. No, it's a red rose, yeah. a bud, rosebud in his boutonniere. And she has on that white dress with the red polka dots. And she, doesn't she? And she has a red turtle pin on her lapel. No, so, she she doesn't have the polka dots. Oh, it's just a there. white. It's art, It's easy to mistake because she changes her clothes. Everybody does. A hundred times in this episode. Anyway, they mirror each other. Yeah, they, they do. They look like they meant to coordinate, Yeah, which is cool. When she grabs him, him, obviously she recognizes him. She knows who he is. And then he's staying at the hotel. So he's a safe person. And Poirot does that a lot. He's the avuncular type. Young young women see him as being safe and non-threatening. Yeah, certainly in the blue train story. Yeah. She says you're like my uncle. Yeah. Will you be avuncular with yeah. me and, and teach me? They dress for dinner. Yes. What do you think about that? Like, do, so which you, dinner are we talking about? Because the, the first dinner in the hotel, we see Poirot putting on his tuxedo and tying his tie. And of course, he knows how to tie a bow tie perfectly. Yes. Yep. But everybody has changed clothes for dinner. Are you are you kind of nostalgic for times when people did that and, and made dinner, especially on, on vacation at a resort kind of an event? Or are you glad that we're so much more casual now? Like I liked dressing up as a kid to go traveling, but now I don't do it. So I'm kind of torn. Yeah. Because as a woman, on one hand, it's a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Like men can hop in and out of the shower, change clothes, and they're ready. Yeah. It's not that simple for women, especially for evening wear. Well, and Pamela Lyle, her skirt, I think in that scene, is the shortest skirt I've seen on Mm-hmm. on Poirot. Yeah. It's very short. But I, I kind of, I, but I sort of appreciate the opportunity to dress up and look very nice. But to do it every night while you're on vacation, ugh. Yeah. Give me some shorts and a t-shirt. It depends what kind of resort it is. That's what I mean. I don't yeah. think I'd want to go to one of those resorts yeah. where you have to dress up for dinner. By the way, there are black shirts in this episode. Patooey. Wow. Fascists. Holy Patooey. shoehorning in politics. I like when they walk by the girl and she's like, black shirts. Patooey. Yeah. She speaks English for a second. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Barnes says the thing that I hate. Little lady. Oh. <laughs> You don't but, like when men call women little lady? No, because it is patronizing and condescending. It's better and, than girl. And it's meant to be not girl. And it's it's like halfway there. Yeah. So then we have the beach scene. I always say giant women when instead <laughs> of little lady. Hey, giant women. 
Yeah. I'm sure all the women you meet love that. <laughs> <laughs> the beach scene is so defining. Okay. Yeah, the whole scene at the beach is really most of the short story. It is, but it is the defining moment in the episode. It's where everything is set up. I like to get good and hotted up. <laughs> Poor Douglas. He's such an idiot. The water's so warm, Douglas. Do calm. Poor Marjorie. Before you know she's like evil. You feel so bad for her because she's just an average woman. When, and she's constantly looking at Valentine going, okay, I am not that. As soon as she gets in the water, she looks like, you know, an idiot slapping around in her swimming cap. And so he's up Pamela there says that she out. has unfortunate bathing costume. Oh, she says that's an unfortunate bathing dress. Yes. To Marjorie. But I don't know who she's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't know Because either. Douglas is wearing a white terry cloth oh, robe. My gosh, they're all so horrific. But Tony's outfit isn't any better. No. He's got the blue woolen swimsuit, but then he's got that awful striped robe and that bad hat that he puts on yeah. with it. Just, uh, but I don't know. I think Douglas's is the worst because he's got that dang white belt on. Oh, that the white belt is the worst. He wears it later too. I'm like, take off that dang white belt. And this is so chess, right? Like it is Marjorie and Douglas. Uh, Douglas. No, no. Marjorie and Tony. Tony moving the pawn that is Douglas, Douglas towards Valentine. Towards Valentine. Yeah. So, so we may as well start talking about this now and we can just talk about it throughout. So the whole idea here, everybody knows this because we, you know, we spoil it, is that in actuality, Marjorie and Tony come to this island already being in love with one another. Yep. And the whole idea is that they're going to kill off one of the spouses and frame the other one for it so that they can be together. Douglas says it's her idea. And then later she says it was his idea to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, But it was her idea. When they're walking up to the hotel the first time, having finally got a ride to the hotel, yeah, he's like, I don't know why we had to come so far yeah. to enjoy a beach. And we can only assume that Tony has somehow planted it in Valentine's head, too, that yes. they're going to go to Rhodes. So they're going to meet at this hotel, and they have been plotting this. Which Pamela says, it's weird that she's here. That this Valentine's is, there? Yeah. Like, it's kind of a small place for her. Yeah. It's like a step down. Yeah. And this is also the scene where we get to see Poirot and Miss Lyle in full gossip onlooker effect. And yeah. she's unabashedly she's curious a- about people. She has no problem admitting that she enjoys watching other people have their drama. Now, she draws the triangle here. Yeah. And in the story, Poirot draws the triangle. Yeah, which I can understand. Which is totally brilliant. Then. They draw that triangle and you imagine who the triangle is. Yeah. And Poirot from this point on is talking about another triangle. Yeah. He knows exactly what's going on pretty yeah. early on and tries to prevent it and can't. Also, I'm kind of amazed at her ability to draw such a uniform triangle so well. <laughs> so in the morning, they're all at the beach. Yep. In the afternoon, part of the party goes to the ancient city and part of the party goes to a dig. Yes. And Poirot has changed into another suit. Yes. So he had his beach suit. He had his beach suit. And now he has his dig suit. Now he has his dig suit where they find fresh and saltwater fossils. Never mind that, like, there's so much history on roads. I I doubt fossils are what are of interest there, but 
I'm sure they're there. Yeah. There's a goof when Poirot is sitting reading the newspaper. Okay. So the title says Abyssinia Italian threat. France fails to choose at Geneva. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're talking about politics and we're supposed to see that we're supposed to see that there are tensions. Yeah. And he's pretending to be busy. And he makes reference to it with the major later. Right, because he knows Abyssinia is going to be important. The wind blows and ruffles the paper. And did you notice something? No. I can't believe you didn't notice this. The inside of the paper is completely blank. Oh! Totally blank. There's print on the front and the back of the outside page, and the rest of it is just blank. Now, we got to tell you, folks, that we love these. these if you're if you're new, if you're not a midsummer maniac, you're new to a mystery maniac. So you got to know we kind of geek out over things in print, especially mistakes that are made. We found <laughs> in the midsummer episode a magazine article which had text from a Microsoft manual for Office. Copied and pasted as the text in the article. <laughs> Oops. We we were stunned to find it and that the papers blank. Do you know where Abyssinia is? No. What Abyssinia became? No. Today, Abyssinia is Ethiopia. Ah, yes, 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 yes. And I learned a fantastic fact when I looked that up. I thought it was Ethiopia, but I wasn't sure. Abyssinia is an exonym. What's an exonym? It's the name for something given to it by people from the outside. Ah, okay. So non-Ethiopians called it Abyssinia. Okay. Ethiopians called it Ethiopia. It's like India. When we say India, the country of India, Mm -hmm. no one from India calls it India. Not within their own country. No. So that's an exonym. And then an endonym is what the people who are native from that place call it. Okay. I hadn't heard those terms before. Exonym and endonym. That's fascinating. So you may call yourself Mark. Yeah. That's your endonym. But if everybody else calls you Aardvark, that's an exonym. If you don't call yourself that. It's sort of like when Americans try to say Toronto. (laughs) Let's have pink gin. Oh, we have to have pink gin. Pink gin is the thing. Pink gin. Oh, pink gin. Which is ruined for me now. In my head, before actually bothering to look it up, I always thought... Oh, it's pink and it's, it's gin. Like, it's like pink and gin, so it's like it must be like sweet like or fruity, pink, lemony. Gin. Yeah, that no. would be great. No, no, it's no. bitter gin. It's bitter gin. It's Angostura bitters, which are citrusy and spicy. It's like clove and orange, and not summer. No, at all. To no. me, not summer. No, and you know, gin tastes like pine needle smell. Ah, that's not good. I don't think I'd like that. I wouldn't like that drink at all. No, I would like gin with a little pink lemonade. Little little pink lemonade gin? That's not bad at all. That sounds good. A little gin and juice? I can go for that. The sidecar? Yeah. The orangeade. (laughs) Maybe. Sidecar, uh, which is what Pamela orders, is orange liqueur, lemon juice, cognac, and a sugared rim. Yep. Do you know where the name comes from? No. Oh, it's controversial. Oh. French and English argue over who came up with it and where it comes from. It's either somebody came into a bar once and requested this drink having arrived in the sidecar of a motorcycle. Snore. Yeah. Or since it's shaken to cool it, shaken with ice, and you pour it into a martini glass, what's left, if there's extra in the shaker, you can pour it into a shot glass and give the person who ordered it both of them. And the shot glass is called the sidecar. Sidecar. Douglas's belt is horrendous. Always. His visor is worse. Oh, his sun visor is so bad. (laughs) And Valentine is like, hello, I have a flamboyant hat on. I'm so glamorous. And he's like, hey, y'all, I got my sun visor on. Let's go see them. They're ruins. (laughs) Like, 
just he looks so plebeian next to her in that yeah. hat. Ugh. He's he's not sophisticated. No. No. So but the, neither is Marjorie. Marjorie no. is common out the wazoo, which is why I don't understand how she and Tony are a pair. Like, how do they meet? Yeah, I, d- I wish there was more there. And why did why did he go, ooh, I like ladies with no eyebrows. Hey, you're- Yeah, like, what does she offer? Yeah. You hate people who get divorces. I like you. Yeah, what? I mean, like, <laughs> what was appealing about her? Mrs. Lyle is going to cause some trouble. Pamela? She's a disturber. I'm going to call her Miss Lyle. Yes. I, I don't. Pamela doesn't suit her, I don't think, but... Wait till you see the view. They go up to the ruined church, and the writers are like, oh, let us put in a metaphor that is the snake. The snake. The quarry of the viper. If all the killers were clearly marked, uh, my job would be useless. He he has that little line every once in a while in stories where he's like, well, if that was the case, I'd be out of a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah, and it's like, well, Marjorie's pretty common and plain looking. She's not giving anything away that she's a killer. She doesn't look like a killer. And And they say, this is the Island of Snakes. And where is the Island of Snakes, actually? Do you know? Is it in the Mediterranean? Mm -mm. No. Okay. There's two. Okay. Yay! Yay. (laughs) So you have to understand, dear listener, it's not that I don't like snakes, but snakes and water are... No. They're the worst for you, right? They're the only... Like, snake on the ground, I'll pet it. Like, snakes are beautiful animals. But in the water... You put it in the water, I'm... Like, there's a mark-shaped hole in the wall. It's right out? Yeah. Mark-shaped hole in the water. (laughs) (laughs) So there's two snake islands in reality. One of them is Ilha de Camita Grande, which is off of the coast of Brazil. Okay. Snakes were trapped there in an ice age. Oh. And it is the only place where you can find a certain kind of pit viper. Oh. But they don't call it Snake Island for nothing. It's estimated that there is one snake for every square meter. Wow. It's not tiny. No. It's covered in snakes. Yeah. It's like Indiana Jones there. I'm not going there. You're not allowed to go there. Well, yeah. It's okay. I would hope so. It's a refuge for snakes. <laughs> These pit vipers eat birds, by the way. Okay. Yeah. I hope awesome. it's far off the coast for so. <laughs> the other snake island has been in the news much more recently. Remember when the Ukraine, when Russia first invaded Ukraine and there were those two guys on the lighthouse? Yes, that's a snake island. Who, who yelled at the Russians that they could F off. Yeah. That island that they are on is called Snake Island. Okay. It's a little, it's it's a rock with a lighthouse on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's called, snakes. Yeah. Because it, it kind of deline- delineates Ukrainian waters. Right. Yeah. So as soon as the Russians went past it, like they were officially in Ukrainian water. That's so like so typical because like I grew up near a lake in Canada and there was an island in it and people were like, oh, that island's got so many snakes on it. It's a thing. Yeah. There's, but as far as I, I can tell, there's no snakes on Snake Island in the Ukraine. We're but that other one, stay far away. Yeah. The Brazilian one? Any place that has one snake per meter, I'm not going. No, no. Let us move now to the worst restaurant ever. Oh, boy. Are you talking about the dinner? Yes. Where these people voluntarily all sit down to eat dinner together? Yes. How do you feel about wandering musicians in restaurants? Uh, Especially when they're playing bad. And that's not an insult to Greek music. No. I think Greek music is much better than what they're playing. (laughs) 
I think that music is the celebration of life. And if they want to play music in the restaurant, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But they should, whenever I've done that or seen that, all of those musicians are well aware of how it works. And they move throughout the restaurant. And when everybody stops and pays attention to them, they stop and they play a little louder. But then they move on very quickly. See, I've had the opposite experience. Okay. Where wandering musicians like that will play next to your table until you pay them attention and give them a tip. And then they'll go away. Oh, no. And it's really annoying. I can imagine. It's loud. I think I've only been in one place, which was a Greek place <laughs> in Toronto that had wandering musicians. So this is my Greek restaurant story. Do tell. So we were, there's a band and all that stuff. And we're there and they do this thing. This in, is in Toronto? Yep. They do this thing at, with Greek restaurants where they have like fire. They go, hoppa! And yeah, they light the cheese on they fire. They light the cheese on fire. And I caught some woman's poor woman's hair on fire. Oh, my gosh. Got it out. Smoke everywhere. And the owner comes out and goes, everybody's food's for free. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Yeah. Woman whose hair is on fire. Yeah. Did they all, whoopa, so they put her hair Everybody out? was like, <laughs> I don't think she was. No. Even if your hair only burns a little bit, it's not going to be nice. Needless to say, it didn't smell. The smell well would be there. so bad. That yeah. would ruin your meal for sure. Yeah. I don't care how free it is. Yep. Wow. Did you ever go back to that restaurant? No. Hoppa! This, this dinner is just awkward. Like, everybody's and Poirot complaining. just wants his food. <laughs> he, Poirot does not tolerate social awkwardness well no i think he's a firm believer that true manners are intended to help people around you feel comfortable yes. that's the whole point of having manners yes and these people are not showing manners they're arguing they're critiquing everything bickering marjorie's down there i just i, I just don't understand why people can get easy divorced. marriage easy divorce i hate people who get divorced which she knows applies to Valentine. Yep. And so does she say it to alienate Valentine more to drive Valentine and Douglas together? Maybe, but Valentine's husband is so mean to Marjorie. Here. Yeah. They're playing. We don't know each other and we don't like each other pretty well at this point. Yeah. And then Poirot orders bowels and spit. Bowels and spit, which is lamb kidneys on a stick. Yeah. So I did quite a bit of digging around for bowels and spit. It's kokoretsi okay. is typically what it's called in Greece. Oh, and they're so English travel. Like this is a comment on English tourism too, because they're like, oh, use this menu. It has a little bit of English in it. Well, it's good to be able to read the menu. You can't always be fluent in the local language. I guess. If it's a tourist place, they should have bilingual menus. Still. If they want to do business. Still, it's kind of English touristy. Anyhow, yes, kidneys on a stick, but it's more than that. Mm -hmm. Kokoretsi is actually organ meat, awful. Yes. Sweetbreads, hearts, lungs, and kidneys on a stick wrapped in intestine. Oh. That's what keeps it on the stick. Okay. The intestines of suckling lambs are preferred. Ooh. Which means a sheep that's still breastfeeding from its mother. Yeah. Poirot's no, uh, no vegetarian here. No. It doesn't sound good. No. I'm sorry. No. 
it's not. If you like organ meat, good for you. More for you, because I'm not touching it. Marjorie takes off. Oh, she's just, oh, I can't believe I offended someone. <laughs> and in the, in the story here, it comes out later that Poirot knows she's going to kill at this point in time. He knows something's up with her, and he's warning her to leave not because she'll get hurt, but because if she kills somebody, they'll Leave catch her. Leave the island if you value your life. The penalty, the death penalty was suspended for a long time mm-hmm. in Greece and yeah. in Italy. But for some reason, I know you're going to think this is way crazy. The fascists reinstated it. Isn't that crazy? Nuts? Yeah. At this point in time on Rhodes, the death penalty was by firing squad. Okay. So it's not playing around. Poirot is telling her, don't do this. Yeah. Now, it doesn't look like that here. Now, why do you think? Well, I know why. I'm going to ask you anyway. Why do you think he doesn't say, I know what you're thinking about. Don't do it. Because I because think it would ruin it for us. It ruin it for us. <laughs> yeah. So he has to be subtle. Yes. <laughs> but then everybody makes up. Yeah, that the biggest problem I have with this whole story is that everybody makes up for one night and then someone dies. Well, they have to make up because otherwise, how are they going to poison Valentine, right? Yeah. My my bigger problem is that Marjorie tells Miss Lyle that Douglas wants a divorce after knowing Valentine for two days. Yeah. He doesn't seem like that kind of person. No. And plus, he's supposedly Catholic and doesn't do divorce. Well, she's lying. Yeah. He hasn't said anything like that. But why would she think anybody would believe it? Yeah. I don't know. We know he's Catholic because he crosses himself at the little chapel. Yes. And we know that Poirot is too because yes. he does it too. Then we go, we divide in two parts here. Mm-hmm. There's the border kerfluffle <laughs> and the murder. <laughs> Poor Poirot. And the biggest problem I have with all of this is that Valentine's husband plays snooker with gloves on. You know why? Because he then he doesn't leave fingerprints, fingerprints on, the on the poison bottle. Yeah, but why does no one notice that? I did. <laughs> Why doesn't anybody in the scene notice it? Why doesn't Every, Douglas go, old chap, why are you wearing gloves when I, we play pool? A double check. Or snooker or billiards no one else or whatever. Has pool. They're no one playing else, snooker. No one else has gloves on. No one else You're has right. gloves on and they're playing snooker. Yeah. None of the men have gloves on. Nope. It's just to avoid putting fingerprints I'll on. Fine, I'll have a gin and ginger beer. Oh, crazy. That, that sounds better than pink gin. It does. Though, I don't know, I think there are better liquors to go with ginger ale than gin. What's Why does everybody like gin so much? Is gin big in Greece? Why is nobody it. drinking um, the stuff that tastes like anise that you pour water in? You know what I'm talking Uzo. about? Uzo. Uzo. No. Yes? That's Greek. Yeah, why is nobody drinking that? Nobody's drinking. Well, because it's eye tie now. I tie. I tie. Because Allian is just too many more syllables to say. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this murder scene. Okay. Because I've got another issue with it. Okay, so the ladies have gone off to see the sunset. Yes. At the peak. Temple of Apollo. Right? Who knows how long they'll be gone. Mm-hmm. The men wrap up their game of snooker. Yep. Again, it's hard to guess how long a game of snooker is going to take. Yep. Right? It could have taken 10 minutes longer, 10 minutes less, at least. So 20-minute window to Maybe. be conservative. Yep. Right? They go to the bar. They order drinks. Now, Tony cannot touch his drink. He's got to order one, but he can't drink it. And he doesn't know when Valentine is going to get there to give it to her. And he's gotten the poison from Marjorie? Okay, 
the worst thing that get, these two people can do is be seen together. Right. So why doesn't he go get the poison? I Maybe it's tough to get away from Valentine. Maybe. So she snuck off in the afternoon, yep. got the poison yep. from an old lady who doesn't like have a sign out front saying, poisons, I sell poisons, come and get it. Somehow, I don't know how she gets it. I don't buy that either. Yep. But- and it's such a rare poison, too. Yes. She gives him the poison before dinner at some point, right? Yes. So now he's got it. He must already have his gloves on. Yes. He orders a drink. He drugs the and drink. He, he lets it sit there. And sets it down. I think he might wait to drug it until she gets there. It doesn't matter. He still has to not drink that drink, he which said, you could finish in like two gulps. Does he say the thing where I just ordered this? Is yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He says, I just ordered it. You can have that one and I'll get another. Yeah. And and he knows she's going to want a pink gin. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. That's predictable. But she could have been 20 minutes late. Yeah. He could have sat there in front of that drink. But you're right. If he doesn't poison it until he, she gets there, then he could have drank it if he had to and ordered another one. If yeah. he had to. But then he's got to slip the bottle into Douglas's pocket, which is easy enough to do in the kerfluffle of We're Valentine everybody. choking yeah. and everything. Yeah. She's a good dead body here. Oh, man. Does she crumple or what? She crumples. The cough is real. Miss Lyle, who knows what to do? <laughs> Call a doctor. And she's just kind of coughing and can't quite get her breath. It's like 50-50. She could drop dead or successfully clear her throat and be fine. Who yes. knows? And yep. then she's just dead. And they don't close her eyes. No. Nope. They don't lay her out. No. Nope. They just leave her bent. Double like in a chair where with her she neck fell over on the chair. Her neck is like jammed into the and her arm. Mouth is like, uh, and her eyes are wide open. Yeah. Good dead body. Oh yes. Very good dead body. So now the kerfluffle with the passport. Mm. So Poirot's trying to leave. He's missed his boat though, because they're like, You're a spy. And yep. He's like, I'm a Belgian citizen. Well, You're a spy. So we need to talk about that because all over the internet it says he's an American citizen. He says he's an American citizen. That's what the subtitles say. It's not what he says. No. Don't mistake that. Watch it without the subtitles on that scene. And you'll hear. He clearly says, he clearly says I'm says Belgian. Miss Lyle here is upset, but she's so happy that he hasn't gone. She's clearly extremely relieved. And before she even says what's happened, he knows something important has happened. Yeah. Because his tone changes completely. He stops arguing. And he has no time for the fascist. You He's, idiot! My boat has already left! Yeah. Pamela, what's going on? Yeah. Bring my luggage. Yep. <laughs> and they're off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that scene. I think it's well done. She shows up at the dock and she's like, where is he? Oh, I can't see him. And then you can hear him. And it's really well. Uh -huh. The sound is really done very well. Because he is yep. super mad. Yes. That's one theme between the Clapham Cook and Triangle at Rhodes is we get to see Poirot super mad. Yep. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. If you have a teenager and they want to grow some facial hair, you know what you need to tell them to do? Get accused of murder. Yeah. Because, man, Douglas has got a full beard there all of a He's sudden. He's like, chia pet face. Oof, I got a beard. That's what Englishmen do when they get stressed. Yeah. Their facial hair just shoots out. Why, why does Poirot assure Marjorie that Douglas is innocent? Why I does he bother? Know. 
I don't know. Is he teasing her? I think I think he doesn't want her to know that he knows. Ah, uh, because she and Tony will take off all the sooner. Yeah. But then he talks to the Italian policeman. Yes. Whose Mussolini portrait is not big enough. No. It's only like 10 feet tall. But but the the fascist policeman is Hastings in this scene. He is. I just can't believe how big that painting is. Like But you would you would absolutely understand. Ginormous. This guy is in the outpost of Italy. Yeah. He's not at home where the things are going on. Right. He doesn't want to be there. Everybody hates him. This woman died. I found the poison on this guy. Cut and dried. I'm out of here. Yeah. They're foreign people, too. Let's not complicate this. Yes. We don't need any more trouble Absolutely. than we've already got. And Poirot is like, you're wrong. And then Major Barnes becomes, this is where he transitions. Yep. He goes from crazy guy with fish mm-hmm. to, oh, I know some people here. Uh-huh. And Poirot is like, I know you know some people. Uh-huh. And the the interaction between them there is so really good. Yeah, because Barnes has been pretending to fish when he's not stalking women. Yeah. Aggressively stalking women, when in reality he's been looking at the English defenses yeah. in preparation for war. Yeah. And I don't quite know exactly how he's doing that off the coast of Rhodes, but whatever he's doing, it's patriotic. Yeah. He's just kind of bad at covering for it. And Poirot. <laughs> when he comes up on the boat with the fish, he's like, it's five days old. <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> I'm just impressed with the bribes he must be paying those boatmen. But you know. To pretend they've been out fishing. You know Poirot knows what's up when he's watching Marjorie and Tony getting in the car. Yeah. He knows it's up then. It's like, oh, they're going to run. Yeah. Right away he knows. The the Greek girl, it's awfully nice when she saves Miss Lyle from Barnes at the beginning. But the second time, she's a plot convenience that. Is heavy-handed. Yeah, I would agree. She's a deus ex machina there. Because Pamela does not speak Greek. No. But she manages to get through to a blind woman by speaking very loud and very slow. Yeah. The the fact that her, the girl's grandmother sells poison, I, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. And again, why does Marjorie choose such a weird poison? Yeah. Only a herbalist or a quack. She could have brought arsenic with her. She could have. And and nobody would have noticed. It was Agatha Christie. It was freely available. You're Oh, you're an Agatha Christie steer, story? Here is your vial of arsenic. You could get it at a pharmacy. Yeah. You could get it at a hardware store. Yeah. You might have signed a register, but that would have been back in England. Yeah. Nobody would have connected it no to her here. No one would have connected it to her. But no, she has to get horned pit viper venom. <laughs> what? Uh, Let's talk about the forensic guy. You talk about Barnes having connections. Yes. His name is Skelton. Yes. He is the oddest person in this episode. I just showed up and stayed forever. What it is up work. with his outfit? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I dress like a native now. On top of my English clothes. Yes. I just put a shepherd outfit and a fez on on top of my clothes. Yeah. And blend right in. What? Yeah. <laughs> And, oh, it's, it's, this viper is, uh, horned pit viper venom is very difficult to get. I, I don't possibly, I mean, it would have to and be a forensics guy. And they say, where can we look for it? And he goes, try around here. What? <laughs> and the forensics guy would be an Italian. Like the Italians are fascist. Yeah. They're going to have 
all their dudes in They're every position. They're not going to let a Brit do yeah. the forensics. No. Now, they might have had an Italian forensics guy who, being a scholar, made a f- made friends with a British guy who had the sh- same knowledge. They're more scientists than they are fascist, maybe. But they wouldn't put the Brit in charge of the forensics. He should be Greek. Yeah, he should be Greek. Yeah. And then he could wear that outfit. And then he could say, no one likes the Italians. (laughs) Of course I'll help you. Yeah. Boat chase. It's more than a boat chase. Tony's got dynamite. Dynamite. Because, you know, they use it on the fish. And he kind of drops it. (laughs) Well, they shoot it out of his hand, I think. (laughs) He doesn't throw it very far. Because the Italian police are like, out of nowhere. Like, how did they not see them coming? Yeah. They're the only ones. You can't appear out of nowhere in a boat. (laughs) Not on the ocean. They're the only ones with a decent motor, though. The other two boats are like, (laughs) and the poor guys who are running the boats are like, I didn't ask for any of this. Yeah, I didn't. They're only giving me five pounds. The the taxi drivers and the guys who run the boats in this episode are the most put upon people. Oh my gosh! They're like, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, they better give me five stars. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Fascist cops arrive. I have fascist cops arrive in my notes, and it's a good thing. They are. They <laughs> save the day. The fascist cops save the day. You know, as a complete side note, uh, I don't remember why I wondered it, but I think I was listening to history podcasts or something about fascists, and I was thinking, I, I want, I wonder if it's a slur, because of course we think of it as a slur to call somebody a fascist is no, never a compliment. They were pleasantly fascist, but. Pleasantly, well, these cops were useful fascists. But then we ask a friend of ours who has a PhD in history and actually studies World War II, and he said that they were proud to be fascists. They called themselves fascists. They didn't want to be communists. Yeah. But then the term got all the baggage. But I didn't know that they referred to themselves as fascists. I thought it was always a negative term. Did you notice Poirot's crazy binoculars? Oh, yeah. They're like two feet long. They are. Do you want to know why? Why? They're marine binoculars. Marine binoculars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They see further than regular binoculars. It's basically two telescopes stuck together. Maybe they should have seen the cops. <laughs> well, he wasn't looking behind That's him. That's true. He, he was looking at Tony Dynamite about to blow them up. What was he going to do? Was he going to throw it that far? They're like so far away from yeah. each other. Yeah. I love Marjorie standing up in the boat. Oh no, here they come. Tony's, don't worry, I got dynamite. What? Yeah, like. (laughs) They can't have a gun. They wouldn't have tried to get it through customs. If Marjorie is so hyper intelligent and devious, she would have thought of a better escape plan than this. There'd be a, I mean, they're on an island. They got to get on a boat. I mean, that's, (laughs) you know. Yeah. They don't have a whole lot of, they can't take a train off the island. They're going to Turkey, which is 11 miles away. Why do they steal their passport? To get them back. Well, I realize that, but it makes it incredibly, like, you notice right away. They shouldn't be traveling under their own passports after this, right? Yeah, like, and you notice right away that since they stole the passports, they're obviously evil. Right. Well, and they're clearly on the run. Yeah. So earlier, Tony is talking to the hotel manager and saying he wants his wife's body and he wants to be on a train that day. So we have to believe that the original plan was just to frame Douglas and get out of town. Yeah, because Poirot 
That's what they. That's what Poirot they intended is, to do. Is the fly in the ointment? Yeah. Here. Well, of course he is. That's that's right. his. That's his. Uh, his mo. Right. He's always they're like, oh, drats. That Belgian detective is staying here too. Man, the hubris of pull, trying to pull something like this off after you find out Poirot staying oh, at your hotel. Marjorie You're just should asking have been like, for it. Cancel. No. Nope. <laughs> abort. 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 Yes. <laughs> We'll have to do this some other way. Yep. A much easier, safer way. This is a bad plan. Uh, what I what I love are the criminals who think we'll just take out Poirot first and then we'll pull off our plan. Like yeah. that never goes well never. either. They say that Douglas is going to stay till the end. Yeah. Does that mean he's going to stay till the end of Marjorie's trial? I guess. That's the impression I get. Yeah. Not to the end of his vacation. Or till she dies because she's going hurting. to the end of her trial. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think they're probably both going to... I don't know. Mm, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. They're British citizens. So at this point, Italy's not trying to stir up too much trouble with yeah. anybody else. So they might extradite them. Yeah. There's no talk of embassy here the way there is another. There's no embassy on roads at this no, time. I looked no, it up. No, no. They'd have to go back to the mainland, which they probably will for the trial anyway. They'd have yes. to go back to Italy. They'd have to go back to Italy, even though Greece is closer. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not Greek. No, they'd have to go back to Italy. Meanwhile, Barnes is back to going to Ethiopia. Yes. He's going to blend in real well there. Yeah. Little bald, chubby English guy with a sunburn. Do you think Miss Lyle is in love with Poirot? I think... Because we talked about last last episode about how, how young they are here, they're they're in their forties. I think it might be that she's in love with him. How old do you think she's supposed to be? Mid thirties. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, she has to be old enough to travel alone and it not be disreputable, right? Yeah. But she's not an old maid either. No, she's not allowing herself to live like an old maid. I and guess. And she's not the the girls of the next episode. No, she's not a teenager. No. I think you're right. She might be 30. Yeah. So he's like, you know, 10 or 11 years older than her. I I know I said earlier that he's kind of avuncular to her, but I agree. I don't. And he, you know, I think he's kind of blushes a little bit when she kisses him. He's flattered by her attention, but she's not his type. No. When you compare her to the woman who he actually falls in love with. No. And if Hastings was here. Oh, gosh. Hastings would be all over her. Yes. And I think she would like Hastings. I think so, too. She'd be like, your friend's real smart, but I like you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you drive a fast car. And yeah. <laughs> know how to drink and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'd be okay together. So, best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Of course, is going to be Valentine. Well, yeah. She's the only corpse, she's but a, she's a good one. She's very good. I'll give it to her. So Douglas is going to stay, so after the credits, Douglas is going to stay on the island until Marjorie is sent back to Italy for trial. And I'm guessing she won't even be tried in Italy. She'll be sent, she and Tony will go back to England for trial. But they're going up the pokey. Oh, they're definitely going to prison. Yeah. If not, England doesn't have a death penalty at this point. So that might save their lives. But Douglas, as a Catholic, can't divorce her, even if she is convicted of trying to kill, frame him for murder. Unless he applies for some kind of exception. Annulment yeah. or something. They don't have any kids. No, they don't. Could apply for an exception. Yeah. The church is pretty understanding of that kind of situation. Like much Agatha Christie, children are non-present in this story. Yeah. Oh, children come up in the next one that we're going to cover. Yes. Valentine's dead. Douglas, yeah, I mean, he's going to follow her. 
is Pamela going to go home soon? What What is her deal? Why is she there forever? She does. And she appears in another episode, doesn't she? I no. Th- I think she appears in one of the episodes he's in Cornwall. I thought. Maybe I was wrong. I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure someone will tell me if I'm wrong. In the scene where she gives him a kiss and he gets in the car and goes off, there's a goof. Yeah. We see a reflection of the camera equipment in the side of the car. The camera. Which is indicative of an early season because, wow, they do not let that stuff happen later. There's some episodes with so many mirrors, you think the cameraman has got to be invisible. Yeah. It's impressive. That is so incredibly hard to do. It's amazing that it all works out so well. Yeah. Now that would have been fixed in post, mm-hmm. right? You would never, they, you would notice it in post and somebody would fix it there. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you know, Photoshop it basically. You'd remove that reflection. Yeah. You'd fix it. I think it's kind of touching. It's kind of quaint to see little errors like that. Cause there mm. is an entire group of people making that show. Yeah. They never get to be on camera, so I'm okay with that. That is Triangle at Rhodes, Season 1, Episode 6 of Poirot. What are we doing next time? Trouble okay, first at of Sea. All, yeah, uh, Trouble at Sea, which is Episode 7 of Season 1. It's the next episode. You've heard of my hospital, haven't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Again, and I that, know too many lines. Yeah. And this will be August 22nd. You can find Mystery Maniacs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and email. Mm-hmm. Or Twitter. We'll soon have some swag up in our Spreadshirt yep. store yep. with the new logo if you want a Mystery Maniacs t-shirt or something like that. And we're beginning the promotion on all sorts of new groups and new people. So hopefully if you're new, please continue and uh, tell us what you'd like to hear. Uh, we're doing Father Brown next and then... Jonathan ha- Creek. Halloween episodes, then Jonathan Creek, then Christmas episodes with our Christmas song. If you know anything about us, we do a Christmas song every year. This one's a doozy. This one will be a doozy. And um, when we announce the new swag is available, we'll also announce the new charity that we're going to give money to at that point too. Um, I'm going to tell you that if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We are almost at 850 subscribers. We want to get to 1,000. I think we're almost, we're even closer than that now. If we get to 1,000, we get our own little community space on YouTube, and that would be really fun. People who are Midsummer Maniacs have heard this a million million times. times. But we're almost there, and we've had a lot of subscriptions in the last little while, so keep it up. Get your kids all subscribed. (laughs) Okay, is that it? Yep. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. You had an interesting look on your face there when you were like, what are you going to say other people call me? (laughs) What's coming? I'm a little weirded out by that. It doesn't matter. You get to edit it.